This podcast is brought to you by RMA, the Risk Management Association. RMA's sole purpose is to advance the use of sound risk management principles in the financial services industry. Learn more at rmahq.org. Welcome to Risk Management Association's podcast series. I'm Linda Tuck Chapman, CEO, Third Party Risk Institute, practitioner, advisor, educator, and RMA's third party risk management subject matter expert. Today's podcast is Third Party Risk Management in 2020 Firm Hands, Clear Heads. If you're anything like me, many of life's most memorable times are not when things go right. It's really when things go horribly wrong, but we find a way to make them right. And this was our 2020. There's no question that the global pandemic was a massive risk event. And there's so much to cover when it comes to third-party risk management, it took me quite some time to decide where to place my focus. So I've decided what I'd like to talk about first is, well, what did we get right? In 2008 and 2013, regulatory guidance forced financial services sector institutions and large fintechs to stand up a third-party risk management program. Firms may not have been happy about this, but regulatory exams and findings caused these firms to strengthen third-party risk management practices over time. Now, a real measurable benefit of these investments was realized when the pandemic hit. Third-party risk management investments mean that firms across the sector have a good profile of third-party relationships and the risks uh, that they face at the touch of a button. They have contact information and a designated contract owner. This likely saved us weeks and weeks of work trying to get a baseline and formulating a plan of action. The second thing is that we quickly regained control over third parties working from home. Technology and procurement professionals worked around the clock to acquire hardware and office equipment and then worked around the clock again to deploy it and get everyone safely online. Larger financial institutions and other firms leveraged their buying power to acquire equipment for third-party employees working from home and lend it to them on a timely basis. Many, many third parties already had strong information security and cybersecurity controls, clean desk and privacy standards and codes of conduct in place. Financial institutions and others from across the sector previously evaluated the strength of third-party controls during their onboarding and risk monitoring activities. These processes did provide us comfort that the standards are being maintained for third-party employees working from home. Contracts and contract templates were also amended to explicitly approve work from home uh, for third-party employees. New controls were added, and these were things like time-bound approvals, always on VPN, no print capabilities from home. We also showed ourselves that we are creative and we are resilient. When contact center employees in the Philippines were ordered to stay at home, many institutions looked internally to an existing, highly qualified resource, their own branch staffed. Your employees have the product knowledge and customer focus. They just needed to learn how to use the telephony equipment and the software. And most institutions barely missed a beat on their customer service. We also partner with third parties to resolve issues and barriers. Some third parties require their employees' physical presence to fulfill their contractual obligations. So companies like printers, uh, they print our statements and some of them are in fact are regulated in terms of when we can get it out. So the statement printers physically distance their employees, which hugely impacted their productivity. So what did we do? We collaborated with them. We helped them identify alternative production facilities. We accommodated their needs. We helped them improve production and we helped them keep their employees safe. This was definitely a win-win 
and a good reminder that these are are really they may be commercial relationships, but we're very dependent on these companies to to do what we need to do. We also evolved our third party risk management practices truly at the speed of light. So I do know uh, from talking to them, risk specialists have been burning a lot of midnight oil, developing new tools to gather information, improve risk insight, and strengthen controls. They brought in new standards and all kinds of tools for the business owners. The contract owners in the business also stepped up. They had to step up, and they did. They recognized the risk to their business, they improved communication with critical third parties, and they increased their monitoring activities. So these are really win-win things that we've done. So we've done a lot of good things during 2020, and I think that really showed through how strong we are as a sector and how good we are at managing risk. But what I'd also like to talk about is what's next. The pandemic is still raging on, and we're really not out of the woods. So here are some challenges that your firm may also be trying to solve. So concentration risk is the first one that comes to mind. It it just isn't an abstract concept like we might have thought that it was. Concentration risk means putting all your eggs in one basket. So many firms are taking a very close look at third-party entities, um, third-party entity risk, activity level concentration risk, geographic concentration risk, data and records uh, concentration risk, cloud computing concentration risk, systemic concentration risk, and so on. You're getting the picture here. Now, I'm leading a working group on this topic for RMA, so watch for a white paper coming out from RMA on the topic of third-party concentration risk. Another thing that came to mind, and we did talk a bit, I talked about the equipment problem earlier, and I think we've noticed that managing just-in-time inventory for essential hardware such as computers, peripherals and servers, ATMs, etc., may defer to expenses but creates a single point of failure. Is it time to recalibrate your inventory management strategy for equipment hardware, for essential hardware? Now, you also have probably noticed that your insight into third-party financial health is pretty murky at best. Financial health risk uh, ratings were always based on historical data, but we know today that the past really can't be the best indicator of future financial health. So most firms have come up with kind of a triangulation model. They're analyzing and, and monitoring multiple data sources to try to give themselves some risk insight. And I know you can't do everything, but you know maybe talk to your credit department, find out what sectors are struggling the most and spend some time there. So we also know that insider threat is a problem that needs solving. It is almost impossible to be assured that clean desk, privacy, and physical security controls are being maintained for third-party employees working from home. So I'm not entirely sure what you do about that. I do know that there's sort of some spyware out there, but that is pretty much um, uh, reliant on third parties to help you with, and most of them are not too interested in, in, uh, in helping you spy on your employees. So I don't know what the answer is to that one. Many third parties also have uh, many third party contingency plans, which were intended to respond to a third party's irrecoverable failure, are simple, simply wishful thinking. And I'm not sure anyone has this problem figured out. But think of those large fintechs that you rely on. You know, the business may have come up with a contingency plan that says that they're going to move, but how are you going to survive in the meantime? It takes months and sometimes years to move a big relationship. Cyber and fraud risk are at an all-time high, and gee, it seems like the bad news just keeps coming in every day. So more than any time before, work is being conducted from home and over the internet. So we know that this opens new windows of opportunity for hackivist criminals and bad bad actors. They will and do look for the weakest link, and this could be one of your third parties or one of their, sub, one of their subcontractors, which is your firm's fourth party. 
So this is, we've got some awfully chilling uh, real life examples of, of this that have just happened. So please watch for my RMA podcast on solar winds. It is a chilling tale of third party risk, fourth party risk, fifth party risk, and cybersecurity risk. So if you're interested in learning more about third-party risk management and how it's aligned with operational and enterprise risk management, please read my book, Third-Party Risk Management, Driving Enterprise Value. The second edition should be published soon by RMA, and it is available on Amazon. You can also go to my website, Third-Party Risk Institute, for information about a certification program, Certified Third-Party Risk Management Professional. It's a 10-week e-learning program. And graduates own 60, graduates can earn 66 CPE credits, and it's really the gold standard in third-party risk management. And last but not least, if you are in third-party risk management, please consider joining the RMA's third-party risk management roundtable. It really is a wonderful forum, and I think that I think that members of the forum have found that it really helps them stay on top of things in these really difficult times. So once again, I'm Linda Tuck Chapman, and thanks so much for listening.